0: Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the word of God. I, I stumbled upon what I'm going to preach through the title of a book. In 1971, Leonard Ravenhill wrote a book, and I'll borrow the title for my message today. He wrote a book called Sodom Had No Bible. Sodom Had No Bible. and I will launch from that topic and hope to encourage and inspire someone here today. 2 Peter 2, 6-8 and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemn them with an overthrow making them an example unto those that should live. Everybody say ungodly. And delivered just Lot. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. With the help of the Lord for just a little while, I want to preach to you from that title. Sodom had no Bible. Sodom had no Bible. Father, we have rejoiced and lifted up your name And today we exalt your word today in this house. And we uh, we ask God that your anointed would be upon your servant. And that your word would be exalted today in this house. And someone strengthened and encouraged. as As we receive the word into our hearts. Not to be hearers only, but doers of the word as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. When I mention the words Sodom and Gomorrah, there would probably be very few if you have been around Sunday School for any length of time or church, no matter the faith nor denomination, you probably have heard of the words Sodom and Gomorrah. The story of Sodom's destruction by God is told in Genesis 19. It was one of the five sister cities located in the ancient valley of Siddam. It was near the Dead Sea. The Bible notes that this area was once exceedingly fertile and well populated if we go back into the book of genesis and remember that abraham and lot came to a time of separation and the attraction to lot to choose that area going towards sodom was it was well-watered plains. It was a fertile place to look upon. To the naked eye, it was somewhere that most people would be attracted to. And it would be a natural gravitation. There were. It was just a picture of paradise, if you would. But that would soon be abruptly abandoned. When you look at what happens next, it was under this rulership or this spiritual dominion which caused corruption and wickedness. And the Bible records that God rained down fire on Sodom. Fire and brimstone. And you may say, uh, how could that be possible? And I did the all, I, I went back and I read the occasion. And Genesis 19 and 24 said, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven now I don't know that if our imagination or if Hollywood can paint a picture like happened on that day if you can imagine with me large boulders of brimstone large amounts of fire descending from heaven upon the wickedness of two cities Sodom and Gomorrah it was on that day from the distance when the smoke began to arise that Abraham would see the distant smoke and began in verse 28 and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the plain and behold and lo the smoke of the country went up as a smoke of a furnace. So you've got to imagine with me he understands Lot, his children and his wife are in the city and now all Abraham sees is smoke that would arise through the atmosphere and he would venture to look and automatically estimate this is utter destruction. This once beautiful And prosperous, once carefree, but then suddenly destroyed by God's wrath. And it poses the question to me, and I can't help but ask, or or to inform today, how could God destroy this once prosperous, once carefree, once beautiful cities? Because Sodom had no Bible. And without a Bible, they did not have any hope. I digress to ask you, aren't you thankful today for the Word of God? Aren't you thankful? I feel like if you have your Bibles today, you ought to hold it up in honor and reverence today and say, God, I thank you for the Word today. What a privilege it is to have the Word of God today. Many Years ago, a beautiful painting was done featuring a large anvil around which lay many shattered and smashed hammers on the floor. The caption below the picture was a phrase from first peter one twenty five "The word of the Lord endures forever. More than one poet has been inspired. By this very image, Samuel Cole wrote, hammer away ye hostile hands. Your hammer breaks, but God anvil, God's anvil stands. Or as an unknown modern poet has been, last eve I passed beside a blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring, the vesper chime. When looking in, I saw upon the floor old hammers wore out with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had said I to wear and batter all these hammers so. Just one said he. Then said with twinkling eye this anvil wears the hammers out you know. And so I thought the anvil of God's word for ages skeptics blows have beat upon yet though the noise of falling blows was heard. The anvil is unharmed. The Hammers are gone. I thank God today in 2021 that God's word, God's truth is still marching on. If you're thankful, you ought to clap your hands unto the Lord. God in His own supernatural way has sustained His Word down through century after century against all manner of attacks. When you look through history and you see the recordings, the attempts, the number of tyrants that have attempted to smash the anvil of God with the hammer of government and power, but they are gone. But the Word still remains. In the last 200 years, While the higher critics have been sitting in their higher echelon halls of congresses spinning their theories that the Bible is unreliable, unhistorical and mythological modern archaeologists have stood by the hundreds on the soil of the word of God. The land in which it happened and they still stand with the word, with the cold hard facts that this is more than just a history book, it is indefinitely God's holy word. Time magazine, some years ago, stated, after more than two centuries of facing the heaviest scientific guns that could be bought to bear, the Bible has survived. Matter of fact, Time magazine, and I quote, would say, and it's perhaps better for the siege when this word comes under attack it rises to the surface even more true it rises to the surface it's undeniable it cannot be reckoned with Charles Spurgeon observed if you want to be thought very wise today but look very foolish in about 50 years attack the Bible I want to say that again. If you want to be thought very wise today but look very foolish in about 50 years, attack the Bible. He would say point out all the errors. But if you're willing to be thought foolish now but believing that in 50 years you will be vindicated, stand with the word. I said, stand with the word. It does not matter what is passed in Congress. It does not matter what is passed by the United States Supreme Court. It does not matter which party is in the White House. I've come to remind us that the world still needs a red-hot belief and conviction that the word is true. We don't. It, it, it's Brother Weaver. It's time out for watering down truth. It's time out for believing what we want to believe. It's become a smorgasbord. But help me today, get a get a firm grip on the word. When I begin to study this and begin to look at all of the pieces of the puzzle about the word. The Bible's been examined more than any other book in the history of the world. Every word, every syllable, every letter has been scrutinized by hostile critics for centuries and it still stands. I can't help but say what the writer said. Hammer away ye hostile hands. Your hammers break. God's anvil stands. Second Peter 1.21 said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. This just, these weren't just prophets and men of God that would wake up after a, a, a bad meal and had a bad nightmare and they begin to write. No, 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 no. When they were woke up out of the dead sleep and begin to write as the Holy Ghost would begin to move upon them. Uh, this is what we have. This is the living, breathing word of God. Psalms 119, 1, 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The moment that God's word is believed, miraculous things happen. What we sang today, the words that we sang, many of those songs had excerpts of scriptures. Yes, they were put in song form, but I just wonder what could have happened in this house if we would have just believed the words that were being sung. The moment the word is believed, something begins to happen. Something is transformed. But Sodom, didn't have a chance. Because Sodom had no Bible. Most people associate Sodom and Gomorrah only with sin and sexual perversion. They were certainly guilty of that as a large number of people today. We've even coined the word Sodomite to describe certain unnatural acts that people, certain unnatural sexual acts. And so we often Make an unspoken assumption that because these cities were destroyed, they must have been more wicked than any other place. But the Bible clearly states that their sin in God's eyes involved more, much more than just mere immorality. Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel 16, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Are you ready for this? Pride. Pride. Fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. When I read this last night, I could not help. It was an enlightenment up in my spirit. The root of Sodom's sinfulness from the greatness of their pride and the greatness of their wealth which led them into idleness and a disregard for those less fortunate than they are. It was their abundance that led them into apathy. It was their pride that led them into perversion. God, help us today. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like the cities that we live in, the country that we are in right now. I dare say there's not a city in North North America that does not meet the same criteria for God's judgment. Matter of fact, I've even said this, Brother Chris. How much worse was Sodom than we? How much worse do we have to get to get the to get the penalty or judgment that Sodom got? In fact, let me just put it to you this way. With our churches, with our preachers, with our evangelists, with our Bibles, with the Internet, with television, with literature, with ministries, we are much more guilty than Sodom. We've got so much at our fingertips, and Sodom didn't even have a Bible. I said Sodom didn't even have a Bible. But yet we can reach the world right now. The world has access to 1149 Main Street West, Hartsel, Alabama, 35640. Could it be? That's why Jesus would say in the red words in Matthew 11:23 23 through 24, and thou, Capernaum, and thou, Hartsel." Oh, and thou, Huntsville. Oh, and thou, Coleman. Oh, and thou, Moulton. Oh, and thou, Madison, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom it would have remained until this day. In other words if they would have had going on inside of their cities what you've got going on I would have spared them. But Sodom had no Bible. Sodom had no evangelist. Sodom had no preacher. Sodom had nobody or did they? Sodom was no different than Hartzell, no different than Huntsville, no different from any other city in our area. It had sexual perversion, but it also had spiritual pride. And righteous lot who lived there felt the pressure of the anti-God atmosphere. And I believe that's where that we had been at as a people, as a church, maybe possibly even as an organization. Listen at what the Bible says in 2 Peter 2 and 7. And delivered... Just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. When you look at that scripture in its original language and original interpretation means to wear down. Lot got so wore down from all of the conversations, from all of the filthiness and all of the wickedness and all of the pride and all of the haughtiness. It wore him down. And it is not unreasonable to expect that the spiritual atmosphere of a sinful city would be inhospitable to Christians. That is to be expected. But that doesn't make it any easier. Let me remind everyone under the sound of my voice. We are in spiritual warfare, not on spiritual welfare. We can't let this modern, we can't let this hand hand handout generation slip into the church. We 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 gotta remember we're on the battlefield. We're not in the we're not in the welfare line. Just give me what I. I said we're in spiritual warfare, not on spiritual welfare. I wish there would be somebody that would rise up in this house and take your rightful place. Some of you have been so wore down mentally. Some of you have been so frustrated mentally. And in the process, in the process, we become like Lot. This is what Sodom did to Lot. It vexed him. It oppressed him. And I'll say this, if you stay watching the news for too long, you're going to get vexed. I said, if you stay glued to the, to the news reports and the naysayers and all of the, uh, of the reports of this world, you're going to get vexed. You're going to be bewildered. You're going to get put to the point of frustration, uh, and it paralyzes you in your prayer life. Uh, it paralyzes you in your witness. Uh, it paralyzes you in your compassion. It oppressed him. It fought against him as he tried to live a godly life. But that was to be expected. Because Sodom had no Bible. When Sodom was finally destroyed, Lot escaped with his two daughters. I'm going to help somebody today. I feel this so strong in my spirit. Yes, There were four that walked out of the city. Out of all of those hundreds of thousands of people. Do you know why that only four walked out? It only took ten to save the whole city. All it needed was a storefront. In the city of Sodom. With ten people. And the city would have been spared. But here was the realization to me. When Sodom was finally destroyed, Lot escaped with only two daughters because that was the only influence he had. His wife had so much invested in their life in Sodom that she couldn't even run from its destruction without looking back and being destroyed herself, turning into a pillar of salt. His son-in-laws laughed him to scorn and stayed behind to suffer the consequence of death. Because they couldn't reconcile his sudden urgency with what they had seen in his previous years of apathy and disregard to the Word of God. The two angels had brought the warning, literally, had to drag Lot away from the sinful city he had grown so attached to. Oh, Abraham, it looks pretty down there, I'm going to go. I want you to look at the progression of Lot. The Bible said he made the you know he chose which way he was gonna go. And then he pitched his he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You read the next chapter, he was in the gate of the city. You read just a few more verses, uh, he was in the city. Be careful which direction you're pitching your life. Be careful which direction you're pointing your family into. Be, be careful what you choose today because you may have to eat the fruit of it tomorrow. I could not help but ask what had happened to this righteous man? The Bible specifically stated it was not only Sodom that vexed Lot, Lot also vexed himself. And when I looked at it, there's two different words in the Greek. verse number 8, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed himself. That word means torture. Lot tortured himself. He himself created most of the problems that hindered him from completely living for God. I have no doubt when I read the story that Lot certainly felt these feelings as he lived in Sodom were probably justifiable. But what he probably didn't realize was that he brought them on himself by becoming attached to the earthly. Attached to the things of pride. Attached to the things of that city that were more valued than his Creator. Oh, we can blame Sodom all we want, but their apathy is to be expected because Sodom had no Bible. I said it earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Or did they? Brother Matthew, did they have a Bible? What about Lot? Is one of God's favorite people. Wasn't he supposed to represent God to them? The truth is, Sodom had no Bible except Lot. For the greatest part of human history, the vast majority of the earth's people have been without a Bible as we know it. But God has ordained His people that they should live out the word of God as a testimony to others around them. In effect, you become the word in flesh. You become the Bible that somebody else will read. The others that you come in contact with, they will see and read for themselves. God, I feel an unction and a Holy Ghost move right now. Could this be, Brother Jeff, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3? Ye are our epistle. Hear me, church. We are somebody's epistle written on our hearts, known and read of all men for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. could not help last night and even this morning as I said God you got to help me you got to help me and I couldn't help but hear the heartbeat of the spirit to try to help convict and convince somebody uh, lot was too busy to be a bible he was too exhausted to be an example he was too tempted to be a testimony he was too weak to be a witness he was too distracted Be a disciple. And he did it to himself. God help us in a world full of distractions, in a world full of demands, in a world full of all manner of temptations and desires and fleshly and carnal things going on at war in our members. God never help. Help us never, ever, ever. Never forget we may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. And then the, they begin to read, study. Lot didn't lose his soul, but he lost his influence. Lot's righteous life had a negligible effect on Sodom, not because they weren't interested in hearing, but because he was uninterested in telling. I just wonder how many doors Lot knocked on trying to get to 10. I wonder how many doors he knocked on and said, let me tell you how good the God of Israel is. I know there's sexual immorality. I know there's wickedness. Tell you about how good he's been to me. Let me tell you about my relationship with him. But no, we don't read an account. We don't see where we ever find Lot starting a bus ministry. We never read about Lot starting an evangelism ministry. We never, we never read about Lot starting a preaching point. We never read about any type of community groups or any type of influence. And all I could think was Lot wasted an opportunity. I preached up to this point, but Sodom is not really our subject today, but Hartzell is. Your city is. We're a far-reaching church. We're reaching so many different counties. I, I believe it's five or six counties that our church is now reaching that are physically coming to the premises every week. We live in cities where spiritual pride and sexual perversion and apathy and abundance and anti-God atmospheres are prevalent. And the plain fact of the matter is, and I pose it as a question, does Hartzell have any Bibles? Yes, there's churches. Yes, we have the most beautiful church on this road, in my opinion. Yes, we have some of the greatest programs, some of the greatest singing, some of the greatest outreaches, some of the greatest people in all the world. We even have Bibles under our arms. We have some of the greatest media team workers. We have some of the greatest cameras. We have some of the greatest of everything under the sound of my voice in these four walls. But most people of the, that you meet are not interested in finding a book with the answer. They're interested in finding a person with the answer. Did you know most people are going to come and walk into this church on personal invitation? Unless we become an epistle known and read of all men to them, they have no Bible. The word may sit on their shelf, but it will never get into their soul. Pastor, you don't know? I'm just too busy. What if the Bibles get too busy? What if the examples are too exhausted? What if the testimonies are too tempted? What if the witnesses are too weak? And what if the disciples are too distracted? We can't blame the atmosphere of the city for that. We must honestly lay the blame at our feet. We must do a self-evaluation and say, God, I need to to dust the Bible off of my life. And I I need to get back engaged in what you put in me and what you you birthed in me. I'll admit I haven't done what I needed to do. I stole our laziness if we say, God, I may be the only Bible that somebody ever... What about us this morning? What about you, Brother And Just quietly begin to make your way to the stage. I had one Bible, but that one Bible had no influence. God is trying to wake up the Sanctuary Community Church today. Is our city being influenced by us, me? I'm not going to make the world taste good to try our best to find our place in the body of Christ. And God's not looking for lukewarm saints just, just shy of eternity calling, just short of the trumpet blowing. Spirit was put inside of me to be. I had to wake up this morning and knowing what I would preach, because they read the Bible I became. From the Bible they read myself today, how many people are reading my Bible? Print in your Bible was illegible. I can't decipher your life. you're in and out, you're up and down, you're inconsistent. Will anyone be? I wish I could tell you we had 20 more years. Can't help but believe we're getting closer. We're getting closer. But it's coming in an hour. It's coming in an hour when you you were coming today. I didn't know this was gonna be the day. About necessarily the word in this last statement. Except.